So usually when I'm talking to the upper leadership, you know, and I'm not afraid to voice my frustrations. Like I, I, I also want to be an advocate for women mm-hmm. and men in this church because it is something that affects everybody and it is frustrating, especially I have so many friends who are now in their 40s that are, you know, one of them was a virgin at 40. She just went and lost her virginity to some guy outside the church just so that he didn't want to die a virgin. And so I just want to be an advocate for, for people women particularly, but people in the church that are affected by this, even if they're not even aware that they're affected by this. It's time for another episode of The Cultural Hall, and uh, a great episode is ahead of you. We haven't even recorded yet, and I know that it's going to be a great episode. We're going to talk about dating in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And uh, we have my guest, Kelly Kiter, who I put out on, I think it was LinkedIn. I said, hey, guys, I want to know what we should be talking about. And Kelly said, oh, 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 I got something. I got something. And you... I think it was meant to be, Richie. I really do. (laughs) Uh, Before we get into the topic, obviously, of uh, dating within the church, I want to know a little bit about you. Tell me where you're from. Are you born and raised in the church? A convert? Give me some of that, uh, that juicy background stuff. Yeah, so I'm from Park City originally, Ogden as well. I was born in Ogden. We moved to Park City when I was 12. Um, mm-hmm. I am kind of raised in the church. My mom is a member, my dad's not, so kind of a mixed faith family. Um, but you know, it was great to get both sides. And I was feel it like tumultuous it, at home or peaceful at home? Tumultuous a okay. little. I mean, okay. my parents are divorced several times, so you know that did play a role in everything. Um, I think religion played a big role in that. Mm. Unfortunately, sure. you know sure. it does. Um, but at the same time, I'm glad because it made me more open-minded and it made me who I am today. And it's kind of helped me think outside the box. I wasn't, you know, raised just to do the church and live the rules. And, you know, from a cultural aspect, I was raised to kind of think for myself. And actually, we were pretty inactive growing up. So mm-hmm. I wasn't even in the church through my teen years. My mom would take us maybe like once a month. Mm-hmm. And so we were kind of like that family at church that people kind of liked you know, kept, did a side eye with like, oh, they're not totally in, you know? Yeah. Like every time you come, they go, uh, uh, would any new people like to introduce themselves? And you're like, guys, we've been here for five years. I don't know how many times you want to. Yeah. Or just here. like, you know, not the straight laced Mormons. Sure, I guess. Sure. So, but in Park City, there's a lot of those. So I sure. don't know. yes. Um, but yeah, so I kind of came into the faith on my own when I was 21 and I kind of had a big, big conversion and I, was just doing some soul searching. I had, you know, just had a crazy freshman year of college and I was just like, what is life about? And I ended up studying abroad in Italy and I decided to start going to to the LDS church again while I was out there. Um, Just kind of doing some soul searching after I kind of had some spiritual experiences of my own. And I discovered that there was a God and I just wanted to explore that more. And I actually ended up speaking with the missionaries out in Italy. Hmm. And so that's how I came back into the church. And I, I'm, so I'm kind of a convert in that sense is, you know, I had this huge conversion when I was in Italy. So, so you come back to Utah, I presume after Italy and you're like, Hey, that's a, that's a church. I like it. I, you know, I'm just teasing. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like in it, you know, uh-huh. at that point, I was like, gung ho, let's go. I loved the missionaries. I ended up serving my own mission after that. Really? Where'd you go? Um, in Washington, DC. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I was like a full on convert, like just in, and I've always really been in since then. I've just had a lot of bumpy experiences. As I'm sure, sure everybody has. Sure. Uh, so, now, as we talk about, uh, as we get into sort of the dating and that part like that, have you ever been married? Have you, uh, give me some idea as far as your yes, dating experience. which might make some people think that I'm not cut out to talk, talk on this topic, but mm-hmm. I feel like my 
failed marriages. I've been married twice, so okay. don't judge me. <laughs> well, not and not failed. I should just say experienced the entire run of the marriage. Oh, I've experienced to... the whole realm of yeah. all of this, you know. And so, if anything, I feel like that makes me maybe someone who's qualified to speak on it because I know there's people that have been married, but they probably married the wrong person. Mm-hmm. There's people who have felt pressured to get married, and so they just got married. And there's people who are just not able to get married in this church. What and What do you so, consider your experiences with your marriages? Do you think that they were just the wrong person or like yeah, how did that, how did that work times, out? Uh-huh. Both times. And I do feel like just with all my crazy experiences dating in the church that it was just kind of like, well, let's get married, you know? Okay. 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 Um, which I don't think anyone should do that. No. <laughs> no, I, 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 I also think... I also think you shouldn't just be like, well, I guess I'll get married. No, probably not. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's a lot, you know, so it's just something. And now I just turned 40 in October. I know I'm not alone in my feelings. Mm I'm just like how hard it is to date in the LDS church. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I wanted to to talk about. So do you have kids? I do. I have an eight-year-old son and a six-year-old daughter. And how, and does that make uh, dating trickier, do you think, within the, the church? Of course that- it does. Of course. I know that that's, that's a big issue. But at the same time, I don't like that I got married just for the sake of like marrying an LDS person. And I mm. feel like that's why my marriage ended. Mm-hmm. And so now I have these two beautiful kids and I just, you know, I feel like people were hurt. So, yeah. so tell me a little bit more about that, right? So you're like, well, I kind of like this person, but, uh, you know, I guess I should like this person because they're also a member of the same church, you same church, I same church, let's do this. Well, I feel like there's a lot of shaming because at the time before I met my husband, my ex-husband, mm-hmm. I was dating someone outside the church. Okay. And I just had a lot of bad experiences with the Mormon bishop at the time who was just okay. like, you know, come back to the church, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I kind of just had a shotgun wedding with my ex-husband, I felt like, and it Mm -hmm. just was damaging, you know, um, because I was 30 at the time and it was like the clock is ticking, you know, and we're told that our only value in the church is to get married and have kids. Um, well, and I wanted that, you know, but it was like at that point in my late twenties, like dating in the church, I just had some bad experiences. And so I like essentially tried to leave. And then I came back and just married someone who was wrong for me. So you tried to leave the church, didn't feel like you could, and then just were like, okay, I'm back and this person will, will do. Yeah. Okay. You, you've alluded to a few bad experiences and you'll, you'll forgive me because I want to know what those bad experiences are as much as you're comfortable talking about them. Yeah, sure. Sure. So so those bad dating experiences, maybe in your twenties, late twenties before you got married. And is the marriage at 30, is that your first marriage or your second marriage? Second. Okay. My first was at 24. Um, same kind of situation, just culturally. I was like, well, everybody else is getting married. You know, this is the age when everyone gets married, 24. I'm going to be an old maid, you know? <laughs> and um, he was just all wrong for me. So. And, and all wrong. Tell me what you mean by that. Um, He came from like a really, really solid Mormon family mm-hmm. and they were pretty judgmental of me and uh. just my family. And, you know, I, it was, I'll just say this, both of my marriages, it was like a gut instinct that like, this isn't the the greatest fit, but mm-hmm. I'm getting married for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, of course. So Which I judge myself for. I mean, nobody should do that. So. Well, yeah, but then you start getting shit all over yourself, right? Then you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And then you can feel all the shame that you're, you know, that you put on yourself. And then that can be detrimental as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. So let's so uh so maybe dazzle me with a bad experience, a bad dating experience, and then I've got uh, some some other questions about it. Yeah, well, and this is when I'm going to bring up the Time Magazine article, because okay. in my late 20s, and I think maybe this is because I, I wasn't raised in the church, so this was not normal for me. I had dated outside of the church a lot before I started dating in the church. It, I just noticed that the dating culture is different, and it just seemed like there's a lot of, first of all, there's a lot of, like, beautiful women, which mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. You know, sure. like, Utah has been blessed with very beautiful women that are talented and blah, blah, blah. Um, but then it just seemed like, nobody would get anywhere dating wise. Like there was a lot of competition, you know, there was a lot of like, just, I don't know. It was like clicky. And I noticed that there were like these group of men that just would not settle down, Mm -hmm. you know, and just Mm -hmm. play the field. And so I just have always noticed that there's like a disparity almost. Like I almost noticed like there's always more women than men at any singles party you go to any event, you know, there, there just always seems to be more women. And, and then the way women were treated really bothered me. Like, it Tell was me about that. Like they're just like a number. You just start to feel like a number after a while, you know? And so this is something that I started exploring in my late twenties. Like I kind of was like onto it, but I didn't hear anyone talking about it. And so I started doing some research um, and I did find out, yeah, women outnumber men in the church. Um, it wasn't as bad maybe 20 or 30 years ago as it is now. Um, 20 years ago, I would say in the late nineties is when things started to turn. Mm -hmm. And I just think this is something where the church isn't keeping track of who's leaving and who's, who's staying. I think it might be hard for them to, you know? Mm -hmm. And so basically I started doing my own research. I did find out, I think it was like 60 to 40 and we can bring up this time magazine article, Um, a reporter in time magazine. He wrote the book datanomics. Um, I guess you weren't able to get him on the show. I wasn't. I tried. Oh, but I tried. Yeah. John Berger. Um, he was mentioning how, and I think it was like the nineties women outnumbered men 60 to, or no. Yeah. It was like 60 to 40 or something. Okay. Okay. So three women essentially for every two men. Well, yeah, sorry. And no, this is in the late nineties. I think it was like less than that. It was like, what was it? Do you remember the statistics? I'm trying to find it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, out, outnumbered, but maybe like what? 55, 45. So it. Yeah. Yes. That mm-hmm. was it. 55 to 45. Um, so that was in the late nineties now. And then I think about 10 years ago, it was about 60 to 40. Mm-hmm. Now, in my personal opinion, I, I actually spoke with my state president about this. He claims it's three to two right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's as high as five to one. In really? my opinion. Okay. Just, I'm it, sorry, I have cats. And no, you're fine. So it um, feels, even if it's, if even if it not in actuality is five to one, it feels five to yes, one. Yes, just yeah. from my perspective, when I and you know I'm a journalist, so I this stuff interests me. I'm mm-hmm. just like curious by nature. But if you walk into a singles ward, it's pretty obvious. It's like it's five to one in most singles wards. Uh-huh. You know. So I'm not sitting here saying that the church is trying to cover anything up. I just think they're not talking about it and they're not really giving us the real numbers. I don't know if they're not able to measure it or not. I don't know, but I started catching on to this in my late twenties. It was already bothering me then. This was Mm -hmm. 10 years ago when it was about 60, 40 at that time, nobody was talking about it still. Mm -hmm. Um, I ended up getting married to somebody who was all wrong for me because of the sheer numbers of beautiful women in the church and like not very many men. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd given up um, a relationship that was probably a better fit for me outside the church just out of guilt because it was like, 
we're taught our whole lives that in order to get to the celestial kingdom, we have to marry somebody Mormon, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. LDS. So just all of this pressure compounding. And I know I'm not alone. Sure. I, I have so many friends in their 30s or 40s that aren't married now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I guess I'm just getting tired of nobody talking about it. Well, I, I mean, people don't talk about it. Yeah. I mean, to say that we don't talk about it, I don't know that it's wholly accurate because we certainly do have those talks that probably yeah. infuriate you that are things like, you know, Kelly, if you stay faithful at yeah. some point, uh-huh. you will be able to have that partner. And it may not be in this life, but maybe, right. you know, in the millennium. So that's so the part that kind of bothers me, though. I, and I and I don't disagree that it should. But to say that we yeah. wholly don't talk about it, I don't think is is fair or accurate. I don't know. Where do you hear people talking about it? Well, so so I mean, at least dating or partnering, I think that that is a way that the church would say, hey, you know what? We, we, we do talk about it. We don't talk about that it's five to one, four to one, three to two, whatever those well, statistics are. Don't you think are. they should? Don't you think oh, women oh, yeah. know that information? Oh, yeah. I feel oh, like yeah. women deserve to know that information. So, so let me ask you this, say, say that in, you know, an upcoming general conference, you know, we're a couple months away. Let's say that uh, the general authorities got up and said, Hey, you know what? We know by numbers that we've got that it is four women to every one man uh, in the ages 25 to 45, right? We, this is what we find. We find that uh, in the last 20 years that, um, you know, the overwhelming amount of people leaving the church has been men. So, ladies, there's four of you to every one man. Why not? Why not tell them that? Yes. Yeah, so, so what? So, what does that do for you? If, if say, Elder Uchtdorf got up and said, "Hey, this is so you know, this is the reality of what you're facing." What does that? What does that change for you? Is it I guess there's a little bit of like the women's rights movement in me uh-huh. Uh-huh. that just thinks like, can't we make our own decisions about if we want to date outside the church or just wait till the millennium? Sure. I mean, waiting for the millennium is a long time. Sure. Well, you know. Yeah, so some people I think listening to this would just be like, Kelly, for crying out loud, just date someone outside of the church then. Well, I do, though. Right. I do. Yeah. I guess my point is, and this is another thing that I'm going to bring up, because I had a bad experience recently with another Mormon bishop who okay. was very ignorant on this topic. And okay. I, so this is another thing I wanted to bring to light, because I feel like the church leaders aren't trained on this issue at all. Sure. And so they just make assumptions, you know, and I just feel like it's a sensitive time. My other point is, is I think that women are already dating outside the church. Mm -hmm. I think they're already doing it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's causing a lot of them to go inactive, you know? Sure. And so it's just an issue that I want to bring up because it's not, I don't feel like there's women in the church that aren't dating outside the church. They already are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I just don't want it to be like the stigma or like, I don't know. I just, I guess I just want to shed light on it because I feel like there's a lot of ignorant church leaders even who would judge women if they had issues in their dating life. And, you know, they don't know how to address it because they don't even know. They don't know the numbers, you know? Um, I don't know. There's another part of me that thinks like the founder of the church, Joseph Smith, had 40 wives. How Mm -hmm. many wives did Brigham Young have? 56. Yeah. So I'm not sitting here saying the church should practice polygamy again. Although if what it teaches is true, mm-hmm. why aren't we at this point? You so, know? Okay. So you, what you have just done is taken the grenade and pulled the pin. And I would yes. love to get into that a little bit more. Let's take a quick yeah. break. When we come back in the second block, maybe the idea of polygamy is the way that we solve this situation. We'll come back and talk about it in the second block of the cultural hall. <laughs> 
bestdjinutah.com is a website that you need to go to if you would like to party with me. Now, just because it says Utah as part of the URL does not mean that it has to be in the state of Utah. I've traveled to such illustrious places as Wyoming, Nevada, Texas, Washington, and others, Idaho as well. If uh, if you're having an event and you think, you know what, I would love the energy, the charisma that is Richie uh, to be able to bless the event. I don't know why I said bless. You can hit me up, bestdjinutah.com. Maybe you, you yourself are getting married or has been the case multiple times this year. You are the apparent not a parent, just the parent, uh, or one of the parents, because there's multiple parents. I'm getting distracted. You are one of the parents of the bride or groom, and you think, Richie would be great to be at this event. You can hit me up, bestdjinutah.com. Be sure that you mentioned uh, that you hear it on the cultural hall. I may, in fact, even get you a little bit of a discount. Who knows? We'll see how I feel that day. It's bestdjinutah.com. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative Creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, remember you can always send us an email, contact at theculturalhall.com. If there's a subject that you feel passionate about, you can say, hey, you know what, I'd be a great guest. Or if you know someone, someone in your ward, someone you read a book about, someone, anything, uh, you can say, hey, this would be a great episode, Richie. Love to have them in the hall. The email address is contact at theculturalhall.com. And I give you absolute permission to send those emails in the middle of the night if you get that, uh, you know, that itch to write that email. Because guess what? I can read them whenever I want. I don't have to read them when you send them. Contact at theculturalhall.com. All right, so polygamy, I'm down. Let's do it. Let's do this. I don't know. I mean, I guess my point is, I don't think the church would ever even practice it again. I don't think we're open to practicing it again. Well, some would say we never stopped when when you look at the idea of people being able to be sealed to, you know, men being able to be sealed to two women or more as far as, uh, you know, temple ceilings and stuff like that, that element of it has never stopped. But do you really think, I, I guess the thing that, that I'm sort of wondering is, so l- let me let me shed a little light on this from my perspective. Uh, I was married, my first marriage, uh, I had met someone who was not a member of our faith, and I was like, oh yeah, this person is my jam. This is great. And similar to what it sounds like is your story, I went, yeah, but I've always sort of thought, you, you know, you 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 find you look for the little green ring on the hand, and and that's the pass, and then you get married. And we got married, and it was a disaster because though she had claimed to be, you know, wanting these things within the church or whatever, she had zero amount of the integrity about it, and it was just from beginning to end not what I wanted. So when I got divorced, and I thought, okay. What what is the most important thing to me as I go into a, another relationship and potentially another marriage? And I said, well, you know what? I, I got married the first time because, you know, we were the same. What I'd really like in my second marriage is someone who loves me, who treats me kind, who supports me. And so I went to a, a singles ward and I went there one time and I went, I can't do this. This is not a thing that I'm going to do. 
This feels, it feels, you know, tangibly awful to be in a singles ward, a mid-singles ward. So I just went to a family ward and I, I met a girl, not at my ward, uh, but a, a girl that uh, is not a member of the church. And she said, I love you and I support you and I'll be all the things that you want, you know, from a spouse. And I said, deal, how would you like to do this? And so now, uh, you know, as I sit here, I'm in a marriage where I actively go, Temple recommend, go every week, you know, all the things. And, and she does not. And we're able to make that, you know, we're able to make that work uh, with plenty of jokes of like, don't worry, I'll take care of it once you pass on and stuff like that. But I digress. Uh, but but I just it got to the point for me where I just was like, you know what? I think that God would rather me have a have a partner to be happy to experience all the things that that being happily partnered would be more than just a checkbox of like, okay, do you? Go to, you know, have you been baptized uh, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Did you make these covenants? Like, I think, I, I guess I just sort of thought a little bit bigger than all that once once I had had my terrible experience. Yeah, well, and that's why I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, men haven't been affected by this either. I mm -hmm. I think that the problem, the main issue with the churches, and, you know, at this point, I'd really like to see the church as like an evangelical church at this point, because we don't even really practice ourselves correctly. Mm. Back in Joseph Smith's day, if there were five women to one man, we would be practicing polygamy again. We're not doing that. We're not even practicing ourselves correctly. So I guess my point in that as well is just more conversations about, you know, you can still keep the commandments and live a great life, but date outside the church, mm -hmm. you know, date other Christians if you want, or mm -hmm. people with similar values, or, you know, just do you. Um, <clears throat> because I do feel like the church marginalizes people, maybe women and men, you sure. know, where it's like, you're so limited in like, you know, we're not that big of a group, especially here in Utah. I mean, our numbers are even smaller in Utah now. So it's like, why not think outside the box? Um, if we're not even going to practice ourselves correctly as a church, mm -hmm. then let's just have these conversations and remove the stigma of dating outside the church. Or even, heaven forbid, you break the commandments when you're dating outside the church and not being so harsh with singles in the church. You yeah, know? so that's a whole different thing. And I want to make sure we spend time on that. But before we get away from what I ask, so let me ask you, mm -hmm. would you... Are you saying you would be interested or are you just using it as an example? Would you be interested in being in a, a polygamous marriage if you if if somehow the church sort of said, hey, yeah, this is fine. And then you met a nice upstanding LDS guy who already had a wife. Like, is that something that because you want that spouse that has those values that keeps those covenants that you're like, yeah, I'd go into that. Um. That's a lot to wrap my head around. That's a uh -huh. lot to wrap my head around. I can't say what I would do because okay. I, I genuinely feel like the church will never practice it again. Sure. You know, I'm just saying our doctrine, our core doctrine, um, makes it sound like that's the only way to get to heaven is to mm -hmm. marry a Mormon man, mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. priesthood leader. Um, so no, it's not something I can actually wrap my head around right now. You know, I'm not saying no, but I'm, I'm also just, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen, you know? Yeah. You said something earlier too, that I want to uh, put a little more light on the competitive nature uh, that maybe women have when a new single gentleman moves into a mid singles ward or a singles ward even, or it, 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 are you, I don't know this from this perspective, obviously being a man, 
are you saying literally competitive, like kind of an edge people out and give me an idea kind of how you have experienced that and what you have done to not have that be detrimental to your faith or has it been? Yeah, well, that's another issue that John Berger brings up in his article in the Time magazine. I think I, I sent this to you. I mm-hmm. referenced it a lot because it's something that I discovered while I was married in my bad marriage um, and just kind of validated my feelings on the issue because it's mm-hmm. like he's not only got all the statistics in here of like women do actually outnumber men in the church, but what this is causing in the church and the dating culture. Um, it does create more of a competition among women. You know, it's like nothing's ever good enough. I don't know if some women also just feel that it's them and it's an isolated issue and like something's Mm. wrong with them, Mm. but it's also created this competition. Um, I think it has not um, done a lot of great things for the male ego in Mormonism. Talk Um, about that. (laughs) I think that when an attractive, successful man in Mormonism is in the church and dating, um, having all these beautiful women interested in him doesn't do a lot of great things for his ego. You know, mm-hmm. so and that's something that John Berger mentions mentions in his article as well is that you know when you're in this kind of situation and and he also compares our situation with um, the Sidich Jews in New York. There's some sects of Judaism where they're also experiencing this disparity of women outnumbering men, um, and it causes men to become pickier and mm-hmm. choosier because they don't. I think they're almost like overwhelmed by how many choices they have. And I've heard men that I date even say this, they'll tell you to your face. They're like, enjoy yourselves, you know, just pick one, you know, like, and they jump from woman to woman. It's almost like they think they have so many options. And I'm not sitting here trying to judge men. I don't know what this does to a man. If I was in their shoes, I maybe I'd act the same way, you know, but it's almost like they think they have unlimited options. I think it's causing some men to delay marriage even more because they're like, I can just date till I'm 45 and then just pick one, you know? And then I think marriage is a hard, it's a hard thing that a lot of people, you know, are scared to get into. So compound that with having so many options and then just feeling like you are the man on campus that everyone wants. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do a lot of great things for the dating culture in Utah. Yeah, I, I think it certainly disincentivizes a gentleman from from like if there's any, you know, say you and I are dating, right? And And there's some sort of like, any sort of like pain point or struggle, right? Something that would naturally occur because you're a different person than I am. At the point that I have 20 other people I know that I could date, I go, hey, Kelly, real great. Maybe we could figure this out. But guess what I don't have to do if I date any one of those people? Figure this out. Have a great day. It's not you, it's me. Let's move along and do this thing. And And they can do that perpetually. Yeah, I think that they become hyper aware of women's flaws. And I think, like I said, if I was a man, I'd probably have the same reaction to this. Um, Also, Utah is second highest for plastic surgery, Mm. plastic surgery per capita. Yeah, yeah. How do you think that? How do you think that plays into that? Is that part of the competitive? I think it's correlated. I think it's correlated. I, I, having done enough research into this now, and the journalist in me, and just wanting to educate our leaders. Um, like I said, the church isn't even practicing itself correctly. Mm-hmm. If the core doctrine teaches that women's salvation is dependent on marrying a you know worthy priesthood holder, mm-hmm. and that they don't even have access to that, what do you mm-hmm. think they're going to do? Mm-hmm. They're going to blame themselves. They're going to go. They're not good enough. Now you've got all these blonde bimbos running around, you know, <laughs> and I'm one of them apparently. <laughs> so I just I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I think it's interesting. I think and it's, it's fascinating that I stand back and I see the whole picture and I'm like. You know, because I've lived outside of Utah, I've dated outside the church, 
dating in the church is a very, very different culture, unlike mm-hmm. any I've ever experienced. And so I just think it's interesting. I'm fascinated by it, but I'm also annoyed by it, as I know a lot of people are. So let me ask you, you said you've had some conversations with leadership, both bishop and with stake president. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably some of that is your frustration. Some of that is, you know, hey, are you aware of this? You're sharing yes. this information. Uh, uh-huh. tell, tell me the things that you have done that you feel like have been successful as you've tried to speak with with church leadership. And then also tell me the other side of that, some of the maybe frustrating conversations, or if someone is listening to this and is in that sort of position, something that if someone like you came to them, what they could do to be able to help better this situation. Yeah, well, I'm pretty open about this just because I feel like I have the knowledge. I've actually gone and done the research. If this Mm -hmm. is something that doesn't affect you, why would you care about it? You know? Yeah. Um, So usually when I'm talking to the upper leadership, you know, and I'm not afraid to voice my frustrations. Like I'm, I I also want to be an advocate for women Mm -hmm. and men in this church, because it is something that affects everybody. And it is frustrating, especially I have so many friends who are now in their forties that are, you know, one of them was a virgin at 40. She just went and lost her virginity to some guy outside the church, just so that he didn't want to die a virgin, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to be an advocate for, for people women particularly, but people in the church that are affected by this, even if they're not even aware that they're affected by this. Um, But when I do speak to leadership, usually it's married men. They've been married for years. They're not even aware of this issue. Mm -hmm. They're in their little bubble. Um, I'm not afraid to talk about it because I feel like they do need to know. They do need to be more sensitive. Um, There was one state president I spoke to who, who tried to dispute what I was saying Saying that, I, saying that what you're saying is not actually yeah, real. Yeah, he's like, well, I have an even number of women and men in my stake. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not looking at the singles, like the singles wards, like, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I just had to educate him on it. And he actually called me to be a state communications coordinator after. Wow. Like, oh, this is really eye-opening, you know. Um, I think you'll help a lot of women. So just in my experience, talking to the local leadership, they just don't know. How can you care about something you don't know about? Yeah. Yeah. No. So so, um, so then interpreted, I guess what I'm hearing you say is if uh, someone like yourself came to the leader, at, at, at very least what they could do is say, Kelly, tell me more about this. I am unaware. I would love to know more about it. That's certainly a, a great first step, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, I did have a bad experience with one of my last bishops who was mm. very frank with me. And he said, women in Utah are fake. Well, like saying all these things, he said he... Well, and, you know, we had a relationship where when I moved in, into the ward, I was speaking to him about a few things. He's had a couple sons leave the church, and I think mm-hmm. he's upset about it. I think they might have been burned by women in the church. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But we just were having some discussions. He's like, I had a, a male uh, member of the church in my ward say that all the women he dates say they're active, but they're not. Um, I think it all ties back to this, because just like me, you think I'm the only one that's like had the thought to date outside the church after what we go through dating in the church and being mm-hmm. rejected and being treated like a number and never being good enough. Mm-hmm. We are dating outside the church. All of us probably are. Some of us probably keep it a secret. You know, other of us, others of us have bad experiences and maybe we do break the law of chastity because we're so frustrated. And then we go talk to a Mormon bishop who is completely clueless on this issue mm-hmm. and doesn't treat us right in the interview. Hmm. You know, and so I just think this is such a widespread issue now that people need to know about it. And if the upper church leadership isn't going to talk about it, I'm going to talk about it. And that's what I said to my last bishop, because I'm like, it's five to one women in the church right now, Bishop. I don't know if you're aware, 
you know, I sent him this Time Magazine article and like that shut him up real quick. Like they're yeah. afraid of me now. <laughs> but, um, and, and so I just have realized like if our upper, and maybe, maybe this is the start, you know, I, I'm just ready to get the word out there. If our upper leadership isn't going to talk about this, because if you think about it, there's no women leadership really at the upper level of the church. Where is our single woman re- representation? Sure. You know, where either they don't know, they don't care, or they're hiding the numbers mm. or that or they need to do better research. I don't know, but I just hope that I can help educate people and, you know, shed light on this issue. Let's so. talk a little bit about the uh, chastity issue. Obviously, you know, when when you're dating in your, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, whether it's a member of the church or not, there mm-hmm. is a very natural inclination to want to have sex with the other person, right? It's part yeah, of it's it. It's wired. the way. Yeah, it's the way. Yeah. yeah. We're we're built that way, etc. So give me give me an idea of how that interplays in all of this. So I mean, obviously there, those experiences happen, whether it's with an LDS person or not. And then you go to the bishop and 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 the bishop is, lays the hammer down and says, how could you, of course, if you date someone that's not a member of the church, like, is it that kind of thing? Or what could they, yes. what could be done, spoken about, shared differently uh, around something like that? Well, and this is the shame issue that I want to get into because this is already happening, you know, underneath the church's nose, like, sure. Women are going out and they're dating outside the church. Just like my bishop said, the young man in his ward that said he dates all the women in the church, but they say they're active, but they're not. Yeah, because they there's there's no one to date in this church. They go out and date outside the church. They're probably breaking a few rules mm-hmm. because got, men outside the church aren't going to date you if you're not going to break the rules, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I just want to put a name to it. I want to like be like, this is happening, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not. Right. Um, the church isn't even practicing itself correctly. So what are you going to do about it? You know, and I hear other people talk about this. They have so many single women in the church. Now it's like, what are you going to do with all this? Apparently we have to wait until the millennium. We not, not after we die until the world ends for this to be sorted out. Hmm. It's a lot, it's a lot to take in. So, so what do you think? I mean, certainly, uh, next to only a few other things, um, you know, the, the law of chastity, I, I mean, there's never like rank things, but I know that that uh, the church would probably say law of chastity. That's right up that that's right up there, right? Super important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that it would be ever likely that the church would be like, listen, law of chastity, and we get it, we get it, but also, you know, you got this. You know, you got this. You can't time. get married. You can't break the law of chastity, and this is not going to be sorted out until the millennium. Sure, sure. I, I, I hear you. I, no, I know. I know the thing. But what do they do? Do they say, "Here's a punch card," and you know, you, you get you get tan? You I get think that's tan. already happening right now. Whether I, I we want to say it or not. Yeah, but whether we want to say it or not. I I a hundred percent agree with you. But what? But but how can they change? I guess that's the question that I, I have. It needs to. How is, could they? Yes, it's like what are we supposed to even do about this? My I my last stake president after I had my bad experience with my current bishop, I went to my stake president. I gave him this Time Magazine article. Mm-hmm. I highlighted all the points that I thought were important in it, mm-hmm. and he, and he literally looked at me and he said, "What do you want me to do with this?" Yeah, and I said, "Take it to the area authorities, general authorities. We need to talk about it." I'm not saying practice polygamy again, although that is the core doctrine of the church that Joseph Smith restored, mm-hmm. you know, so let's just forget about that part, but it was a huge part of the doctrine in the original restoration of the church. Sure. 
Um, what I am saying is if you're not going to practice polygamy, realize that this is going on. Women are dating outside the church in massive numbers right now. They are breaking the law of chastity. They are breaking all kinds of rules just to survive and have a life. Mm-hmm. And also just train the upper leadership to be sensitive to singles in the church right now, women, men, because even my state president said, well, I hear stories from men too, not just women. I'm like, absolutely. This is affecting everybody. We might just not understand all the ways it's affecting us individually. We might not even be aware of how it's affecting all of us, but it's affecting everybody. And so I'm just saying, if we're not going to practice polygamy again, Mm -hmm. then put some training procedures in place. If you're going to call someone to be a state president, a bishop, anyone who's going to be dealing with the membership, and you're going to have these people coming in, sharing their stories, Mm -hmm. they need to know the numbers right now. They need to know what's going on. They need to know we're not practicing polygamy right now. Women outnumber men about five to one. They say three to two. That's still high. Sure. I actually believe it's higher. So get real. Mm -hmm. Do do some more research and just talk about it. Be sensitive about it. Realize that like you can't tell people to never get married and keep the law of chastity. And this is all going to be worked out in the millennium. Mm. Like human nature. No, people are not wired to just be alone. Right. People are not wired to just give up everything for even their church, you know, like we want to have lives. We want to live our lives, you know? Yeah. So, so let me, let me reflect back what I guess I'm, I'm hearing you say. So if I was a bishop and, uh, someone, you know, in a, in a mid singles age range came in to see me, um, what, what you would hope is that I would say something like, you know, I, I am aware of yes. the disparity of the numbers that exist. And it's I want you to know, there. and I want you to know that would be very difficult. And yeah. I also Just know that it's sensitive. even if, yeah. even if you have to take them to disciplinary council, whatever, mm-hmm. just don't be like my current Bishop who literally said the words to me, you're a hypocrite. Women in Utah are fake. Yeah, there you go. Jeez. Um, and this is what spurned all this because I've been, I've been holding on to this information for years. Mm-hmm. I've had this information with me for 10 years. Um, I don't like talking about it. Nobody likes it. It's not something I enjoy talking about. But when he said those words to me, I was like, that's it. That is it. Like, so, somebody needs to address this. So yeah. how how has it affected, like, your faith and your testimony? Not only it's, that bishop, but, I mean, this whole this whole experience of, like, you. It, it sounds to me like what you want to do is, like, listen, I want to toe the line. I want to do this. I feel like I'm put in an impossible situation. I know I'm not alone. I know yeah. I'm not alone. Right. This is a topic that carries a lot of shame with it. I mean, I'm putting myself out there. Mm-hmm. It's a little embarrassing, you know? Um, nobody wants to talk about it, but it's happening. It's mm-hmm. there. Feelings are real. People's feelings are getting hurt. People are struggling, men and women. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I don't know with like the party scene and like these people that like never settle down and get married in the church. Um, you know, how long do you think that's going to go on before you're like an old grandpa and like <laughs> it's over? It's already happening. I see some of these guys like hosting events in this LDS single scene who are like pushing 50. Like they're mm-hmm. starting to look like grandpas. Mm-hmm. Like, honey, you're not 40 anymore. You're yeah. not 30 anymore. And like, I just had a man, a man message me on Facebook the other day. Hey, I live in California. We should go on a date if you're ever down here. And I was like, oh yeah. Like, have you ever been married? Do you have kids? No. How old are you? 47. Mm. And we're a church that, you know, prides ourselves and values ourselves on like getting married and having children. Sure. I, I know there's some hypocrisy on my part for even like talking about this because I've had my own issues, but at least I've tried. 
Right. Can, like tried to get married in the church and like live the temple life, you know? Do you feel but like, you, do you feel like you've given that up or do you feel like you're still out there trying to, to give it a shot? I just feel like, no, I'm still out there giving it a shot. I just know that like, I'm going to stumble along the way I already have. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like people need to be sensitive. People need to talk about it. Like you said, it's like, what is the leadership supposed to do? Just talk about it and educate yeah. the leadership. So people are like, oh, this is a thing. This is happening. We're yeah. not practicing polygamy. However, people are still human. You can't put people in a box. I do yeah. feel like the church puts women in a box and they're like, oh, just stay there till the millennium and we'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I just think it's rude. I think it's sexist. I do think I, like I said, I think it's affecting men too. I think, sure. I just think the whole culture is whacked out. I, I, I think it definitely is, uh, you know, if you don't feel like you're being seen and what's being talked about in the leadership that that represents you, air quotes, I think it's very quick to feel, you know, hey, okay, they don't know about me. They don't care about me. What they don't care I about people, not just me. I mean, but, I'm doing this for everybody. Sure, because sure, sure, sure. I've even like, you know, written some comments on some articles. Like we're always given the article about um, Sister Oaks who was single in the church for 60 years before she met Dallin H. Oaks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh yeah. We'll read her story. Yeah. She was single for 60 years. Like that's a long time. Right. It's not something that like, is just going to help everyone feel better. You know? And so I just want people to know they're not alone. That's why I'm doing this. Um, Mm -hmm. And to just like, shed light on it. Cause like, I don't know if anything, I look at the whole LDS dating scene, like from a spectator standpoint, just like so interesting. It's like watching a train wreck, you know? <laughs> and you can't um, turn away. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I even date LDS men. I'm seeing one right now who even said, yeah, all the women I date tell me this. So they don't even date LDS guys anymore. Cause they're so mm. tired of it. You know? Mm. Mm. So I know it's happening. I know I'm not alone. I know this isn't an isolated incident. I just, I guess I'm just putting it out there. I yeah. want to start a discussion. I just, and I want our upper leadership to be better trained and just like to, to like acknowledge it and be like, Oh yeah, this is a thing. And yeah. we're not going to practice polygamy again. So let's just like be sensitive and just be like, Hey, it's happening. And like, you know, it's happening. So yeah. let's, uh, let's take another break. When we come back in the third block, uh, there are three questions that we ask everyone who steps in the cultural hall. I'll ask those of you. Plus I want to drill down on a couple of these other things that we've brought up uh, just as we have the remainder of our time. We'll come back and do that in the third block of the cultural hall. If you've ever thought about starting a podcast and, well, you just don't know what to do, I would encourage you to reach out to me. Now, I am at Richie T. Stedman on all the social medias. You can find and follow me there. Uh, you can also send me an email, richietstedman at gmail.com, if you'd like to know more about what uh, I do as far as being a podcast coach and consultant. But let me just say this. May I say this? Almost 600 episodes under my belt, I could certainly be able to help you. Now, let me say this as well. I know a lot of you are thinking, well, listen, I yeah, I don't know that I'm ever going to get thousands of followers. Here's the best part about podcasts. Sometimes they can just be for fun. Other times they can be for really small niche audiences and you can make a truck ton of money. We can talk about it, how you could do it if you would like. You can reach out to me at Richie T. Stedman, wherever you find me, or certainly if you send me a message at the Cold Draw Hall, I'll be able to answer it there as well. Have you, have you considered starting a podcast? Reach out to me. 
Hi friends, Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. Our lifetime service guarantee has become the most trusted warranty in the industry. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop computer and they start at only $29 a month. Check us out at PCLaptops.com. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, remember you can become a Patreon saint of the Cultural Hall by simply going to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall it's a way for you to put your money where your ears are at these things cost money people and we'd love it if you'd pledge anywhere from five to 25 dollars a month it's great we love it we love those patreon saints they're all hanging out in the secret but not sacred facebook group where patreon saints hang out so patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall so you're speaking to women. You're speaking to men. You've t- you, you've sort of addressed what maybe you feel like the leadership would do. I wonder what you would say to another woman or man in your situation. Are you saying, listen, get out, date whoever you can that will love you? Or are you saying, hey, you know what? We're fighting a war and let's do this together. Like, like to another single person, let's say, let's even give them the same age and and uh, location. Another forty year old in Utah. What, what do you think that person should do? I just say, you know, there's no shame around like structuring your dating life the way you want to structure it, you mm-hmm. know, um, dating outside the church, dating in the church. Um, like I said, I just want to bring awareness to this. Um, mm-hmm. If anyone wants to read the Time Magazine article. Um, we'll have a link for called, it in the show notes so people can just click on it. That way it's nice and easy. Yeah. But go ahead and tell people what it's called. It's called Mormons and Jews, what two religions say about the modern dating crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if anything, I just want to like put a name to it and just talk about it. Like if other people want to become spectators of this, sh- of this issue, like I have, and also just, you know, educate and train our upper leadership because a lot of these men were born a long time ago. They're older. They don't know. Mm-hmm. I just think they don't know, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so just being open and transparent, I'm asking the church to be more transparent. Um, if they're not going to practice polygamy, then guess what boys, like (laughs) you've got a dating crisis on your hands. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, that's all, that's all, that's all I wanted to do in this discussion. I wanted to throw some facts out, some statistics out and let people know whether you're a man or woman, this is affecting you. Um, and you're probably marginalized. There is a disparity. So, you know, you don't have to explain yourself. You know, you can date outside the church. I mean, our, our church leadership isn't even practicing the church correctly right now. Yeah. So da- you can break the rules. Date outside the church. Um, I don't know. I guess that's so, it. So uh, this this coming general conference, when they announce that polygamy is coming back, you know that everyone will look right at you and be like, look what you did, Kelly. Look what you've done. Yeah, well, like I said, I mean, I'm a journalist. I'm a former uh-huh. journalist. I am, you know, curious by nature. I think on the research aspect of things, this is very interesting. I like to bring things to light. I don't like things to be in the dark. Um and I just don't hear anyone else talking about it, except mm-hmm. for John Berger from Time Magazine. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, if you Google this issue, there's only like several articles that pop up, and they're usually from outside the church. They're secular articles. They're secular researchers. Um, I just think we like to sugarcoat everything in this church, no offense, and just tie everything up with a bow and say, wait till the millennium. Well, mm-hmm. in actuality, that's not even happening. People are dating outside the church. Everyone is. Mm-hmm. All the women are. Mm-hmm. according to the men I date, they're so jaded from dating LDS men that we're all out there. Mm-hmm. And so I guess my other point is, is you can't stop Mormon women 
Sure. From, from anything. No. <laughs> if you think that we're really just going to like accept the message that someday we'll be sealed to an apostle like Sister Oaks. Yeah, there's only there's only 12 of them. There's only 12 of them. We are human. More apostles. Yeah. Too, you know, like we have needs. We're not just going to like, I mean, some will, some will just stay virgins until they die and probably never date. And that's Mm -hmm. their business too. If they want to do that, great. If that's your belief and you just want to keep the law of chastity, not date outside the church, only date Mormons or the lack thereof, go for it. But I'm just saying like, let's remove the stigma and realize that like, this is real. It's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if the church is going to do anything about it. I'm saying if they're not going to do anything about it, then just talk about it, train the leadership, educate men in the church because men run this church. Mm -hmm. So they need to know more than anyone. Um, Do you, let me ask you this. So, so both of the, the husbands that you've had have both been members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yes. Have you ever considered yourself to marry someone that isn't a member of the church? Are you in that place that you're willing to do something like that? Well, it's tough. I mean, my dad was not a member of the church. My uh-huh. mom was. Uh-huh. And I it was an issue in their marriage. Sure, you saw firsthand what a divided, air quotes, house can be if, especially, you know, they, they talk about the success in marriage if you have uh, aligned, like, family values, meaning what, what family will be and what it won't be, uh, aligned money values, what we will spend money on and what we won't, and religious values, how we worship in that. If you can have those three sort of pillars in place, you're far more successful or more likely to be successful in marriage. So so would you be willing to do it? That's the issue. I think that's always been my problem. I Mm -hmm. think that's why I did marry two Mormon men who were all wrong for me, probably Mm -hmm. because this was even happening back in my mid twenties. I think this became an issue in the early two thousands and no one's been talking about it. So that's the other thing I almost kind of wish I'd known then. Like I wish that I almost feel like my feelings would have been validated back then Mm -hmm. so that I would have been able to take that stigma out a little bit. Yeah. And just been more open to dating outside the church or not been so hard on myself. Like, oh, I have to marry this guy just because he's like the one Mormon that wants to marry me, you know? Yeah. Um, I just think it's time to recognize that, you know, we have our choices. And I think this has been damaging to a lot of people. Sure, sure. And, and I, mean, I even joked with my mom that like maybe the FLDS church was right. That like the modern day LDS church isn't even practicing itself yeah. correctly. And it's kind of been destructive. Sure. It's destructive, you know. Any anytime so, you don't anytime you don't feel like um and, and I think you know LGBTQ people face this in in a yes. similar way, right? They're like, listen, I love this person. I would like to be married to this person. I'd like to have all the experience of a of a married life, a married experience to this person. And the church says we you know, you can't do that. It's well, not, it's, and that's, I mean, that's basic Christianity for you, right? I mean, right. yeah, but that's another thing that I think the church can be sensitive to is just gays too. I, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a whole other topic, but. Sure, sure. And I just throw that out there to know, yeah. to, let, to let you know. Yeah. It, I mean, there's a lot right, of things right. that a lot of people are like, wow. Like we're going to discriminate against this huge group of LGBT people, but yet we don't even practice our own doctrine correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, oh, go ahead. Anyway. It's a lot. There's a lot of layers. Um, and that's my other thing is with L- with LGBT, I just think the church needs to be more sensitive. I don't think we need to come out with these scathing, you know, new policies, um, you know, trying to banish gay people. Sure. I'm just, I think the church needs to be more sensitive overall. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this, Kelly. There are uh, three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. But before I ask you that, 
Uh, I want 30 seconds. You're looking for the man. The man that is what? Give me. I don't know seconds. if I am right now. I don't know okay. if I am right now. Okay. I mean, that's another thing. Like, I think that just with all of my bad experiences, like, I don't really know if I am even looking for someone right now. Okay. This conversation is more just about like, Hey, this is happening. Mm -hmm. This is real. Um, and I know I'm not alone. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I will continue to date. I take a lot of breaks as I'm sure everybody does. Sure. Um, and that's another thing. I just think some people, it just turns them off from dating altogether. I'm sure there's people out there that are just like, F it. I mean, this is not even like, this is not even like a church issue. This is like a worldwide issue too. I think just with like dating apps and I mean, that's a whole other topic, Yeah. but I yeah. just know that like, we're not alone, but I think on this subject, particularly in the church, within the context of the church, like this is what's happening culturally in our church. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to bring it up. We could be more sensitive. All right. She's not going to give the call out about what that perfect man would be. That's fine. Let me ask you this. I don't really think he's out there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm so dating. Not... I'm just as picky. Yeah. No, um, no, I, no, he's probably out there. But I, I, I guess I'm just saying I'm more sensitive. I'm more open-minded now about sure. what that could look like than I was in my 20s when I was so hard on myself about finding the perfect Mormon man. That has changed for me now. I'm a lot more open-minded and I hope other people will be too. Yeah. they will be hard on themselves. So, uh, the first question we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall is, "Do you have a calling right now?" And if so, what is it? Um, I just moved into this new ward, so I don't. I was um a state communications coordinator though in my last ward. If you could Which, pick a calling for yourself, either one that is made up or one that already exists, what calling would you pick? Advisor to the LDS leadership <laughs> about about singles and dating. Yes. Uh, and then the final question, we ask you to interpret it however you would like. But the question that we ask is, what is your favorite part of your faith? Um, you know, I love how mystical Mormonism is. I Tell love me what you mean by that. I, well, I mean, God led me into this church 100%. I know he did. Um, I... I think my testimony is rocked a little bit right now. I'm not going to lie. I hope that's okay to say that on your podcast. Of course. You're towards members of the church. Um, I I am a mystical person. I, I believe in mysticism. I, I believe in being good to people. I think at the end of the day, God's main concern is that you're a good person and that you're nice to people and that you do your best. So while I do believe in Christianity and Mormonism, um, I just think at the end of the day, we're all here to have a spiritual experience and this earth life is to learn and grow and be better. And it's what you take away from it. So, yeah. 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 And as you were talking, I just think, you know, we, we need, um, I know that it, I, I know because of the experiences that I've had, it's hard, but know that, that, um, that there are some people who are aware of how hard it is. Mm-hmm. And have that respect for individuals like yourself who continue to show up and go, yeah, I, this sucks so bad, but I believe it. And so I've got to figure out a way, you know, through it or in it or beside it. And so and in the in the times that you feel super alone, I just want you to know that you are not completely alone, that there are people that go, yeah, man, that's that does suck so bad. So. Well, that's why I wanted to talk about it. I mean, I'm really putting myself out there. It's kind of weird to like put it out on a big platform, but yeah. I'm like, well, if I don't, who's going to do it? Nobody else is doing it. Right. And, and there I've we... done all the research on it and I know what's up. So I'm going to say something, you know? Yeah. And there are definitely people that have been listening to this that are like, yep. Amen. 
Kelly's got it. You bet. Preach, sister. Yeah. Uh, well, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you will be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. 